Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Are Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here with Mary Guilfoyle. How you doing, sister? I'm doing great, Father John. We should probably say something about, like, Nick's not sick, yeah. right? <laughs> no, Nick is not sick. He's still with the mission. Our schedules have just been a little hectic, and it's been tough for all of us to get together and just to record a podcast. So for those of you who are out there wondering, um, is Nick still with X29? He definitely is, and he's doing great work, right, Father John? Yep, we love you, brother. And it's funny, he said, like, he's had, like, Two, three people come up to him the last week and say, hey, are you are you feeling okay? He's like, yeah, why? He goes, I don't know, you know, on the podcast. So yeah, Nick's fine. He's doing great work. Uh, we're just kind of dividing and conquering right now. So it's uh, it's you and me. So what's, Just you and me. What, what are you and me talking about? Well, today, Father John, we're going to talk about um, how, how does one appropriately celebrate the Feast of Our Salvation. So here we are in the home stretch of Lent. Um, Holy Week and Easter are on the horizon. Mm. Dispensation's just been lifted in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Probably a lot of others as well. Oh, we pray so. And so this is very much in the forefront of our minds. And so we just want to take a look at how we can celebrate Easter, maybe with a new heart and New eyes, right? So he'd be my presumption. I don't think most of us are appropriately celebrating the destruction of death. <laughs> it's just, just, just a sense that I've got, right? So, and especially right now, you know, we, we often talk about wanting to be heralds of hope. And in a culture that is just panicked and in total fear of death right now, um, there's nothing to be more hopeful about because Amen. of what Jesus has done. So we want to try to That's unpack right. this, but we should probably pray. Huh? Yeah, please do, Father. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we just surrender this time to you right now. We thank you for these days we're living in, and especially as we get closer and closer now to Holy Week and to the great celebration of our redemption. Lord, help us to understand more deeply this year than ever before what it is that Jesus has accomplished for us. And as we understand more deeply, fill our hearts and our minds with praise and gratitude and send us out individually and collectively, into a culture that is afraid to proclaim the good news of what it is that's been done for us in Jesus. We ask all this in his most powerful name. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, you know, maybe I can tee this up. A lot of this got triggered for me. Uh, It would have been, I don't know, uh, a little bit more, almost a week ago now. The opening prayer at Mass, which is technically called the Collect now, it used to just be called the opening prayer, now it's the Collect, said this, We implore your majesty most humbly, O Lord, that as the feast of our salvation draws ever closer, so we may press forward all the more eagerly toward the worthy celebration of the Paschal Mystery. And so, you know, I'm praying with the scriptures every morning and uh, in a particular way, just letting the Lord feed me with that. And, and increasingly so in Lent, I, I I spend almost as much time praying with the opening prayer or the collect. They're rich. Yeah, they're very rich. And this one just jarred me. And for whatever reason, I felt like in the spirit, if I can say it that way. Um, so I was thinking about, okay, it's the feast of our salvation, which unfortunately just sounds like church speak to people, right? Because, I mean, what have I been saved from? We don't talk about that very often. So, it, you know, it's just like... I don't know. I don't think we have a great understanding of that. And then this worthy celebration. And so in my mind, somehow, I immediately thought of, uh, I just heard Al Cresta uh, not too long ago on Catholic Radio and his 
great show. He was interviewing some people talking about the um, the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, mm. which I think is January 27th. And so in my mind, as I'm praying, I, I just felt like I was reflecting on what did those people who were liberated from Auschwitz, there's not very many of them left now, right? How did they recall that day every year? Like I've walked through that camp three times now. You know, you've been there. Right. It's hell on earth. It is. It's one of the most profound, uh, it's one of the most profound places where there is a spirit of darkness and death and evil. Oh, it's haunted. And and you weep. Oh yeah. I mean, this is is just sheer evil, evil, right? And so in my mind, I'm trying to picture what were the people... (laughs) What was going through them, right, as they're walking out mm. of the gates, you know, at, at, because someone had come to rescue them, right? And then what did they do every year? And, and you know, I can't fathom, <laughs> I can't fathom what it's like to have survived that and all the huge range of emotions that are going on. But for whatever reason, I just felt like, okay, I, I get, you know, to the degree that I can in my imagination, I can picture them coming out. And I can picture how they would make sure that they would, they would remind everybody every year, especially their kids, you know, or their grandchildren, like this happened to us. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we got out, you know, we got freed, we got rescued and making sure that they never forgot. I mean, Ellie Wiesel always talks about that, right? Never forget, never forget. Unfortunately, I think we've forgotten because we continue to do this to one another today. And then I, from there, I started thinking about just the Jewish, our Jewish brothers and sisters in general and all throughout the Old Testament, God is continually exhorting parents, right? make sure you remind your children what I did for you, right? Never forget what I've done for you and help them to understand because it won't be immediately obvious to them what I've done for you. And so it's your unique task to tell that parents. story. Exactly. To tell the story. I, I have to say... Um, it was last Wednesday. Um, we were celebrating Mass here in our chapel, and I was struck by uh, that first reading from Deuteronomy four. Um, and the line that hit me was, um, and I was, I was, I was uh, proclaiming that reading that day. Take care and be earnestly on your guard not to forget the things which your own eyes have seen, or let them slip from your memory as long as you live. But teach them to your children and to your children's children. And um, as I was proclaiming that reading, I got choked up, and I, I and I thought I was going to cry because um, for for two reasons: the fear that I will forget or have forgotten, and and secondly, um, just in my own life, we've all had those moments where God has broken into our lives and and made Himself manifest, and to be very real and very alive. And if I'm remembering those events, how much more so? Should I always re, uh, be reminded um, of what he's done for me uh, on the cross right. and the res- in his resurrection? The concrete historical event the that is the death and resurrection right. of Jesus, which is the substance of our hope, right? And so in the Old Testament, much like you were just you know, pointing us to, whether it's Deuteronomy or Exodus or the Psalms, and we could look at a lot of places, God is exhorting particularly with regards to the Passover and the liberation of the Jewish people from 430 years of slavery at 
um, at God's doing. It, this didn't just happen, right? God did something to rescue his people. This is the image which foreshadows, helps us to understand what it is that Jesus has done for us. So God's telling parents, hey, you make sure that every year you drill into your children the extraordinary things that happen. So Exodus 12, 24 to 27, for example, God says, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, not if, right? I mean, it's a right. given. Your, your kids are going to go, why are we doing this, right? right? When your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Like, why do we have to go to church on Sunday? You know, all those kinds of things, right? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. Mm. So it, it's a given that kids are going to go, I don't understand why we're doing this. You know, don't be mystified by that. They don't get it. But you get it. Right. Because you were there. That's right. You make sure you understand, right? And that's, that, that's just the first passage. There's other ones too. Yeah. So Exodus uh, 13, uh, verses 8 through 10, and then 14. So it says, You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute as it is appointed time from year to year. And when in time to come, your son asks, what does this mean? Again, so it's when, not right, if, right? Right, right. So what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Hmm. There's more, right? Deuteronomy's got a, uh, an excerpt on that as well, right? I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. What's that say? So it says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Yeah, amen. Their right. rescue, they're telling the story of their right. rescue. And it's a command from God to parents mm -hmm. to do this. We could go on and on and on. Psalm 78 uh, verses 5 and 6 might be a last passage we can just look at. Just says, he established God. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. So, you know, maybe a long-winded way of saying, all throughout the Old Testament, with regards to the event, which is the central event in the Old Testament, namely the deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery and from Pharaoh's oppressive hand by God's mighty outstretched arm— there's this feast that is commanded to be celebrated. God gives the instructions for it. And then he tells parents, hey, every year you keep helping them understand what I've done, where you've come from, and why you have reasons for hope. Because at the heart of this story is the simple truth that God acts. He saves. Yes. He rescues his people. And that event, the Passover, and then the 
the whole uh, reality surrounding it is foreshadowing the fulfillment of the Passover and the events surrounding it, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus, which doesn't save us like from Hitler and Nazism, right? It's, it doesn't save us from Pharaoh and Egypt. It celebrates the defeat of, oh, let's say, Satan and death. He's crushed, right? he's crushed death. Death has no more power. It's the complete reorientation, not only of our lives, but the entire universe. It's the story where love defeats hate and hate and hope defeats fear and mercy defeats this power. And you will often say this, Father John, you said love always wins. Yeah, because God is love. That's what that means, right? And so here's the problem. I don't think we know how to do this. Like we say all these words and it's like, this is huge, right? We're living in a world that is panicked and petrified by death, right? Here's the reality, people. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. It doesn't scare me. This is the beauty of the Christian life. Death can't hold me. And it can't hold me not because like I'm really strong. It can't hold me because Jesus has died and has risen and has bound the strong man and he's crushed the power of death and it doesn't win. That's why Paul can mock it, right? That's what he does. He mocks death. Death, where's your sting? Death, where's your victory? You lost you, you lost, and, and you lost by being deceived. This is so clever by God, right? I mean, the fathers just preach on this all the time. The, the one who deceived us was deceived at the cross because it's so unfathomable for Satan to think that God would humble himself to become a man that's outrageous, all to rescue us. This, this has got to be about more than bunnies and Easter eggs and flowers. I mean, we got to find a way to celebrate this, right? Especially right now in the middle of a pandemic when so many people around us are just panicked. Right. Like, brothers and sisters, this is supposed to be our opportunity to proclaim why we have hope. And it's not just some vague general idea. It's because something's happened. And what's happened is amazing. And it happened because God loves you because you matter. I'm so annoyed by this. Well, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you, Father John, and he's very animated here across for me. But, you know, we celebrate like, you know, retirements and anniversaries and graduations. And to be clear, those are all like really significant events. But the most significant event is our rescue yeah, and, and we don't do it well. I mean, like, we don't do it well in churches. We, we have lots, lots of flowers, like brothers, like bishops, priests, deacons. Mm-hmm. Like, we should be on our face right now as we get closer to Holy Week and Easter's begging the Holy Spirit, help me to understand how to explain and break this open and preach this in a way that will, like, overwhelm people. You know, I mean, especially because so many people are just starting to come back to church and they're coming with fear because of all that's been going on over the past year. Like, beg God for an anointing to break open the event Above all events, the thing that changed the history of the universe forever, right? Wouldn't it be something, Father John, if the people that are now coming back to Mass, perhaps for the first time in a year, experience this welcoming of hope and that we can actually hit a reset button this Holy Week to celebrate it in a way we've never celebrated it before because the people walking through the doors are pretty beaten down. 
right? And they, wouldn't it be something if they walked in and said, oh my gosh, something feels different. And it sounds different because father's up there and he's preaching with a vigor I've never heard before. Because I don't know, I just thought Easter was just like a day. How do you appropriately celebrate the fact that death has been destroyed? It's got to be more than a party. That's why we take 50 days to celebrate it, right? That's right. So our churches need to do something different. Brothers, let's just beg God to anoint us. Families too, right? I mean, take a cue from yeah. God's instruction in the Old Testament, especially if you've got young kids at home. Like, just start thinking and praying now as parents. Like, how are we going to celebrate this? You know, like, have the kids ask you. You know, like, do something really different this year at Easter. Like, do a feast just for your kids if you got little ones at home or, or big ones at home. Who cares, you know? I know some of us can't gather with more people. We're still not comfortable. But whoever's coming, like, do it up to the nines. Right. There's something about it as I'm listening to you talk. I mean, the hallmark of a Christian is joy. And to get people around the table and to celebrate with a meal, much like we hear, we see in the Gospels all the time, the post-resurrection accounts, what's Jesus doing? He, he's preparing a meal the bridegroom has come back and just share the stories. Yeah, and, but, and do it up big. I mean, like, make this bigger than anything you've ever done. Because again, right now, with a world that's so afraid, like, yes, do a big meal and do a big meal and just start thinking very intentionally and deliberately, how is this going to be different so that people will know, like, wow, mom and dad are like, really serious about this yeah. Easter destruction of death thing by the so hands it's of the, Jesus. So it is the meal, but it's that being very intentional about driving that conversation to what you and I are even talking about now, right? It's just not the meal, it's the story. Yeah, so right? maybe like put a, put a card in front of one of your kids and say, hey, I want you to ask me this question. Like, mm. why are we doing all this this year, right? Like, that's what the Jewish people did. Like, do it. That's what they still do when they celebrate the Seder. So, yeah, I mean, we, we can end this here because this is we don't have enough time to talk about this, and we you can't do justice to this. You know, one of the things I would say, though, Father John, before we close, because I know, again, we're all coming back to Mass, or at least most of us are, and if you haven't been to, to the Easter Vigil, that would be a great way, I think, right, to begin the celebration. And then maybe that's what you unpack at your Easter dinner the next day. Yeah, or, Let's break right. open what yeah. all, all, the, all the readings we read and just walk through as many parts of that as you can to explain it to your, to your family. Yeah, you know, a year ago, we kind of uh, tried to do everything we can to tee up how to celebrate uh, Easter at home because we couldn't go to church. This year, some of us can, some of us still can't, maybe because of capacity, Maybe because you got to get reservations to get to church. Maybe because uh, the dispensation's still in place. I know it's different everywhere we right. are, so you can't you can't do that. And sometimes, if you got little ones, the Easter vigil doesn't work because it takes three hours, or at least it did when you and I would celebrate it at the parish. But if you can, yes, especially if you've never been to a vigil, go to the vigil this year. But regardless of that, pick some of the readings that are read at the vigil and have people around the table on Easter Sunday read these. You know, pick the one from Exodus and the the liberation of the people there, the splitting of the Red Sea, and then proclaim the gospel as parents and just help people who are bound by anxiety and depression and fear to know, you know, you and I have reasons for hope, not wishful thinking, hope. 
Like I'm wishfully thinking Michigan will go far in the NCAA tournament. But with Isaiah Livers out, I'm not sure, <laughs> right? I don't have hope in that. Right. I wishfully think that. I have hope, That's right. which is unshakable confidence in the fact that death won't be able to keep me. And it won't be able to keep me because Jesus has destroyed it. And it doesn't have any power over those who believe in him anymore. That is amazing. And because that's true, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. <laughs>